Welcome to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week, brought to you by Safe Harbor Financial, proven banking expertise for the entire cannabis industry. And now it's Sunday on Monday. On this episode, we'll be interviewing Kim Seafried, Sunday's younger sister, affectionately known as Kimmer. And so I wanted to start by asking Sunday how she managed to recruit Kimmer to join the team. Well, the interesting thing is, is I really didn't have to talk Kim into joining the crew or being part of this team. It was something that just developed over the years. She was privy to a lot of information throughout the initial years of the project because she was my sister and we talked and she learned what I learned about the industry and of course she's got a curious nature of her own and she saw this going on and I think when the opportunity came up and we started the subsidiary Safe Harbor that it was a perfect opportunity for her to join the crew because she wouldn't be working for me directly which created a good separation of family members. It just so happens now, since I have moved to the entity as um, the subsidiary of Partner Colorado Credit Union, that she does work in the same team. However, she still has a different supervisor answering to Amanda and not to me. So, you know, you put these things in place to make sure there isn't a conflict on the job. I would venture to say that I could probably recruit a couple other family members just because they've listened to the progress over the years and I think their curiosity factor is as great as mine and and anybody that is in the business finds it very interesting and I think it's the interesting emerging market that really attracts people to the task and to the opportunity. I started by asking Kim, tell us a little bit about your career in banking. Um, I actually started in banking in a credit union in um, Augsburg, Germany. So I had moved over there because my parents lived there. Sunday was living there. I had younger siblings that were there. So I started there. I started as a teller, worked my way up, and I became the overseas training coordinator, which I loved that job. And we had seven branches, so I got to travel around Germany a little bit. And I only came back to the States after my dad got ill and I wanted to be there for my family. So otherwise I might still be there. (laughs) So you were in Germany for quite a while then. Six years. Okay. Uh, When I was in the army, I desperately wanted to go to Germany. (laughs) When I was in Desert Storm, I thought I would even take a minor injury if it would get me over to (laughs) Germany for a few weeks. During the Cold War, that was one of the most choice assignments. Mm -hmm. And I served during the Cold War, but I was in California, heck and gone from Germany. So, guten tag. Guten tag. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, early on, and I have a career in corporate training as well, sales training and things like that. And so, um, that's what you do here. Uh, early on, you onboarded, this is amazing to me, over 80 clients in three different states in less than one calendar year. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Um, Well, when we first were able to start opening up bank accounts for um, the cannabis clients, they were in such need. Even if they did have a bank account, it was getting shut down because they were flying under the radar. So we were getting like 45 to 50 inquiries a day for bank accounts. So we couldn't open them for all of them, but we did try to do as many as possible. And just because I saw the need, I I felt like this passion to help this group. 
And so that passion motivated me, and I literally worked seven days a week, holidays, just to see how many I could get open for them. And of course, it was a lot of due diligence and a lot of work, so I had to do it very thoroughly. So um, it was a lot of work, but I enjoyed it. That is, that's a thread that's run through all of the interviews. You, people saw there was a, a legitimate need. Mm -hmm. You had people riding around in their cars with bags of cash and operating in a very unsafe way. There was one part of my life, you know, where you're not living at home, you don't have a really great job yet, you get your paycheck, you cash it, you buy cashier's checks to pay your bills. It's a real hassle. Mm -hmm. This is all before internet banking and bill pay and things like that. It sounds like you were the same way. You, you took some pride in mm -hmm. offering banking service to people that couldn't get it anywhere else. Oh, definitely, definitely. It meant a lot to me, a lot to me personally. I knew um, Sunday already had the passion and Amanda and Kim had already started it in Colorado and it was going so well and they saw the need to go outside in different states and that's where I developed my passion is wow the people that were contacting me it was just amazing the stories that I was hearing tell us about some um, you know there was like a lot of stories actually with ex-military people that were having difficulty getting any kind of pain relief from you know their struggles from coming back from the war and so they definitely wanted to get into the business to see how they could help their local community so them helping their local community we were helping them to help them that's so. such an interesting story we're doing these interviews live i'm in colorado and i and again i'm from texas where it's not legal i did go visit one of the dispensaries mm -hmm. on saturday and um, FBI or Texas law enforcement, if you're listening, I did not purchase anything. So if you're tracking me, you're welcome to stop me. All you're going to find is some Topo Chico water and some goldfish, okay? The kind you eat, not the kind that swim. The lady that I talked to at the dispensary was a former Army trauma nurse mm -hmm. who, as you can imagine, witnessed some very, very difficult things that are difficult to talk about. They're even more difficult to experience. Mm -hmm. She was taking seven pills every day oh, yeah. pre-legalization. She had to get out of nursing because of course the cannabis helped her with all of that without any of the side effects. And I don't think people appreciate that while it might have started medicinally, mm -hmm. that there are, there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of stories of people in the military who have had those PTSD symptoms mm -hmm. helped by this product and I can tell by looking at you that's a big part of it isn't oh, it? Oh yeah definitely there's actually a case in Colorado right now where there's this family and I believe that the husband and wife are divorced right now and the reason being is their child was born with some kind of a I can't remember but it is definitely a problem with his brain and he had to have surgery within three months of being born mm -hmm. And so the father is an advocate to get the CBD to help him. And they are not allowing it. And he's actually going to court over and over for this. Because the under and 21. Under 21, but also there's only certain things CBD can be used for. And it's really sad because he just wants to have things easy for the son at this point. Before I go to the next question, I want to ask you about that. Because again, I've already mentioned that I'm from Texas. Mm -hmm. We've been doing, I had your sister on my national podcast, and then we started doing the Sunday on Monday show. I've still yet to use the word, what I call the M word. I always refer to it as cannabis, because mm -hmm. even I feel a little bit of that 
stigma. Yep. You know what I mean? From mm -hmm. generationally speaking, it's always been illegal the whole time I've been alive. There's, oh, this yeah. is the first time I've ever been someplace where I could possess it and it wouldn't be a crime. Again, exactly. if you're listening, FBI, <laughs> I'm not. Um, and so, you know, to me, that is an interesting aspect mm -hmm. of it. And, and uh, I should probably ask you, do you have any advice for me? Because I still feel <laughs> a little uncomfortable talking about it. Did you have any trouble telling people that this is what you were into? Um, you know, I think a little bit at first. I know that when we post anything on Facebook, that most of my family, like cousins and aunts and uncles, will not hit like or comment on it. Well, your dad was a Baptist preacher. Yes, he was. And my mom is still, like, she has an orphanage in South Africa hmm. for, for children. So they're still very much a very religious family, but they don't say anything negatively. So, but it was hard because is it marijuana? Is it pot? Is it cannabis? And it seems like the trend has been more cannabis. That's now. the word I've been using. Yes. I was I was I was on Corona Street yesterday <laughs> in Colorado, and I mentioned to my wife, I said, "Isn't it interesting how fast it went from being coronavirus to COVID nineteen? Yep. That, that word just kind of went away so very quickly." <laughs> and it's, I'm sort of the same way. Mm -hmm. I did a show before your sister's show a couple of years before, and I made jokes. I I played Rocky Mountain High when I introduced the show. It was all yucks and rim shots because mm -hmm. even I didn't appreciate. What a big business this yes. is here in Colorado. And by the time I got to your sister's show, that's why the show was Cannabis Banking, a Serious Business, and there was no jokes. You know, it was mm -hmm. fun, entertaining yes. show to listen to, but I wasn't making fun of this business mm -hmm. because when you guys are banking billions of dollars with a B, bravo, um, it's, it's no small affair. Let's talk about the clients that you're working with. What impresses you the most? when you're interviewing and onboarding these clients. And tell us, what kind of clients are these? Are these the people that actually run the dispensaries? No, usually it is, it is not the person running the, the dispensary. They may be the one to do the inquiry, but it's usually the owners that we're working with. Okay. So, and the owners can be anywhere from someone who has a passion because like we were talking about ex-military or helping a family member, their father had cancer and then they were able to help, you know, relieve his symptoms. So it could be that kind of a story, but then it could also be owners coming from large corporations. Some of the corporations that we are working with, the owners have moved from, is absolutely amazing. Mm. I mean, I could name some, but I won't. That's fine. But they're very large businesses, and so we're dealing more now with very savvy business me uh, men and women. There are some women out there that are very high in the business. So... We get to the point where we are now, uh, they, they think that we should have a regular business account for them. And so some of the due diligence that we're doing for them, they think because they come from a big corporation that we should be able to open an account a little bit easier. But at this point, it's still federal, federally illegal and it's a very high risk account. And I feel for them because I feel like, you know, we should be able to do more for them, but we still have to do the due diligence. So. It's better than what they were doing. Yes, exactly. I was, um, I visited the uh, unsinkable Molly Brown house yesterday. Oh, yes. And of course that, all of that wealth was based upon gold and mining, mm -hmm. the gold rush. I get the sense being here in Colorado for the last couple of days, we have to call this a green rush. I mean, this is <laughs> obviously, as I described to your sister, it's sort of like going to Texas and telling everybody that owns a barbecue place <laughs> that you can't have a bank account. 
You have to do all of this in cash. Is, is that kind of how it was? There was so much activity oh, yes. so fast? Oh, yes. It, it happened so quickly. Um, when we were moving to other states, one of the things we had to worry about was who would pick up the cash and take it to the Federal Reserve for us. Because one of the things we wanted was the safety for the clients and for the banking, or the bankers, rather. So getting cash carriers was a little bit difficult and did stop us from going into other states because of that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit crazy and you see this happening. And um, it's been great to see, but I think, I think it was well worth doing. No, I, I got the sense from talking to your sister, Amanda, and uh, the other Kim, not Kimmer, <laughs> Kim Carter Oliver, that there was a, a great deal of personal passion involved in this. Mm -hmm. And sitting here looking at you, I, I, I really can tell that. It does seem to be, if you're gonna work those long hours mm -hmm. that it, it took early on, it obviously was not about money. It was no. about passion. Talk to us about the... Oh, yes, definitely. It was the passion. If you're going to do, be doing something that you have a passion for, you don't feel the long hours, you don't feel all the things that come along with that, like not going out on a Friday night because you want to work all day Saturday. So it's just something where if you are around people that really need something and you feel strongly that they should be able to bank their funds and it's the best thing for the community, it makes you just want to work harder. It makes you want to do what you can to help them. I've had some great conversations with, with you know clients that we got onboarded and they just say, thank you, thank you, I so appreciate it. I can pay my bills with a check now. It's amazing what they... Yeah, it is, yeah. It is amazing. Um, you became CAMS, C-A-M-S, Charlie Alpha, Mike Sierra, CAMS certified in 2020. For those who don't know what that is, tell us what it is and what the certification process is like. Okay, well, CAMS um, does stand for Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialist. I didn't know. <laughs> I just found out. I purposely did not look that up. <laughs> it, is, it really is quite the process. It's very intense because you're not just learning about anti-money laundering here in the United States, but all over the world. So there's a lot of memorization. There's a lot of... Um, Oh, scenarios that you need to learn. There's just so many different things. I mean, you're supposed to be able to fight crime and terrorism, and they, they are very good at laundering their money. So it's been really beneficial to have it. I would say it was a very intense test. So you, I studied for, well, it was during COVID also. But I would say you would have to study at least for a couple months. The test is like, uh, I think it's 175 questions, mm. and you have to get 75 correct, and it is a test that takes three and a half hours, so you have to take it within that time frame. And you walk in, and they check everywhere. You can only take a pen, they check your hair, wow. everything, and you're on camera. And you do learn right there and then whether you've passed the test or not. So interesting. Certified anti-money laundering specialist. Specialist. Okay. Uh, but by the way, I've got this coin-operated laundry. I'd like to talk to you about <laughs> after the interview. Just kidding. Again, FBI. I'm only kidding. I do not own a coin-operated laundry. I've got stacks of hundreds I want to share <laughs> yeah. with you. Are they new? Just a, yeah, <laughs> brand new. Just a couple questions I want to ask you about after the interview. If you have a oh, sure, no problem. <laughs> Is Sunday Cam certified? 
Um, no. I didn't think so. Okay, that's fine. But she does teach um, BSA that's classes. Right. Bank Secrecy so. Act. Mm-hmm. That one I do know. Yeah. That one I do yeah. know. Amanda is. So. Very cool. Since your Sunday sister, <laughs> any any favorite childhood stories that the audience would love oh, to hear? Oh man! Do we, is this how we get the obligatory <laughs> high school poofy hair graduation picture? Oh, I wish! I wish. <laughs> No, um, the funniest thing about Sunday growing up is she always wanted to own an ice cream shop. And to this day, she's probably eating ice cream at least once or twice a week, if not more. And I don't know how she stays so thin. Yes, well, you both are very, very, very small. Uh, I couldn't help but notice, um, I'm adopted. My parents adopted me, and my brother and my sister, they had my baby sister, Rachel, the old-fashioned way, which makes her kind of the odd child in the family who looks like my parents. But I, I couldn't help but notice the similarity in y'all's voices. Do you hear that? Oh yes, yes. I don't hear it so much, but we know it's there because it's told to us very often. So when she had a boyfriend in high school, we would constantly, like, I would answer the phone, pretend to be Sunday, and then we would just really kind (laughs) of tease him a little bit, and it would take a while for him to even notice that it wasn't Sunday, so we did do that. Before I let you get out of here, I asked Sunday about this a little bit because of the Germany situation. Mm -hmm. In that particular case, at the time, the diversity, equity, inclusion was a hot topic. And of course, she had a very unique experience being Mm -hmm. the minority in Germany in terms of language and culture and stuff like that. Did the ability to adapt to that Germanic culture, a very different culture, help you to adapt to a very different kind Mm -hmm. of banking culture? You know, I've never thought about that. But I actually think it probably did help because it is very strange to go live in another culture, but also within that culture was the army base. So you had your American culture within the German area. So you did have to adapt almost daily. I lived out on the German economy and I shopped on the German economy. So, wow, that's a really good point. It must have. I would say it did help me, definitely. I think it probably did. Any um, authentic German beer that you would recommend to the audience (laughs) if they ever get over to Deutschland? Oh, no. I was more of a... A wine drinker. Oh. <laughs> so yes. it was always aristocrat. Okay, yes, very, very good. <laughs> and then finally, um, any unique challenges or fun things to work with your sister? Um, no, I would have to say that. Oh, she's probably not going to be happy about this, but I would have to say she's so professional and business-like at work. But when we're out having sister lunch. She is so funny, so <laughs> relaxed, and she just we're just laughing all the time. So once in a while, I'm just like, I really would like to see that laughter in the office, but I know I can't. Since so. <laughs> I'm not a female, I cannot experience that sister to sister. Yes. I have two younger sisters, but I was just there to protect them, not yeah. to, you know, things like that. Um, and then finally, when you're not working at Safe Harbor Financial, what kind of things do you enjoy doing? Um, Your sister paints, for instance. Yes, yes. Now she's really into hiking, if you've heard that one already. But um, I like to golf, so I am definitely a golfer. And then um, I had a dog, and I really enjoy being around dogs. So, And then I do a lot of family stuff. So. I have to ask, I did a short podcast during COVID-19 called Be the Ball. <laughs> Ever have a hole in one? No. Mm. I have not had a hole in Me one. Me either. But 
I did have a really bad drive, and so I took a second shot, and it did go in. Oh, wow. So it's kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> Pull them on Mulligan. And to wrap up the episode, I did want to go back to Sunday and ask her, are there any unique challenges in having a close family member working with you? I think the uh, biggest challenge of having family members on the job is the separation of work and personal time. And of course, the whole COVID shutdown where you have your family bubble didn't help those matters because those are the only people you could speak with throughout that time or gather with. And But it, I, I think it's gotten to the point where we know that we can't dominate our personal talk with work time and that we must give ourselves a break. So that really is the most important factor is knowing how to separate work from personal time and still enjoy that personal time and those sister lunches without moving work into that. It was a little more awkward. And again, because Kim's pretty smart and I am pretty smart, we know we can draw the lines. Other staff members, and this is where it gets a little dicey, other staff members may perceive if you hire a family member or you hire a good friend that they're going to get more favorable treatment. But in reality, the opposite really occurs in those situations because the person being hired realizes that they have to prove to the rest of the crew that it isn't the, it isn't what it is, what, what they think it is. They actually have to work a little harder to prove they're towing the line just like everybody else is, and they are a valuable part of that team. You cannot hide good, but you cannot hide bad performance either. So either the person proves themselves as a reliable team member or they don't. So I don't think if you keep a very fair and consistent work environment that it becomes a negative challenge. It really becomes more of a personal challenge and being able to enjoy yourself personally with that family member still. And if you will permit me on a personal note, I've conducted thousands of interviews on my various podcast projects. And the one with Kim, a.k.a. Kim or Seafried, is one of my absolute favorite. Thank you all for listening to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week. Brought to you by Safe Harbor Financial. Bank with confidence any day of the week. Visit the Safe Harbor website. It's right there in the episode description. Until next month, Eek Heiss, Jason Dias, Guten Tag, and the entire team at Safe Harbor Financial continues to stay alive. Take care, everybody.